ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Welcome back to the No Higher Calling Podcast. You are in for a treat today because I am joined by my dad. Dad, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Fun fact about dad, I think he's probably like my top number one listener on the podcast. You haven't missed an episode, have you? No. Whether it's postpartum or pregnancy, he's always a faithful listener. Oh, goodness. And I have shared so much about my dad through this podcast, wisdom that dad has imparted to me, um, our friendship. And so I am honored to have him on the podcast. Simeon and I were just joking this morning that he was like, you know, your dad's the only other man that's ever been on your podcast. Um, So you hold a very special title. I'm honored. Very honored. (laughs) But I'm so excited to have dad on this episode. This episode is called Beauty from Ashes. Um, I'll read in a minute from Isaiah 61.3, where we have taken that from God's word. Um, But that summarizes our family. That summarizes really dad and I's relationship. You know, we are best friends. I mean, Simeon holds first place, so don't take offense. (laughs) (laughs) And I would. You know, beyond Simeon and then my kiddos, dad really is my best friend. He is my greatest prayer warrior. He is one of the very few, I don't even know that I can, I don't even think I could fill one hand of people that as a spiritual mentor that I would say these are my go-tos. You know, I I really think of two people immediately that come to mind. Um, I might, you know, have one or two others that I could lean on in this way, but dad is one of those, you know, and the same thing goes for prayer warriors. You know, we have a lot of people that pray for us, but there are a handful of people that I know pray for me, that if I have a prayer request, these are my go-tos, and dad is one of those people. And it, it, we have such a great relationship. You know, even when we finish this podcast, we're going to go spend the day with the kiddos and have fun. And we yeah. love spending time together. And we talk often on the phone. Dad lives a little under two hours from us. So we try to see them as much as possible. Um, but the beauty that we now enjoy really wasn't always beautiful. Um, really, it was non-existent for a long time. Then we went through a very dark period of the ashes Um, But it was out of the ashes that God brought the beauty. You know, I think God didn't, didn't give, you know, it wasn't like a trade. Okay, well, you know, I'll just, I'll give you this beauty without the ashes. No, it was from the ashes that God brought forth the beauty. And I wanted to go ahead and just jump in and read Isaiah 61, 3, because the importance of that comes at the end of this verse. It says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. The amazing thing about a life, a story, a relationship, a situation that once was ashes and God transforms into beauty is that he is glorified because it is a work that only Christ can do. And and God has done that in our lives and in our family. I've shared some different trials 
that God has chosen for our family to walk through. And those have been in direct connection, um, not with just my immediate, you know, my husband and my children, but also with dad and my siblings. Um, I shared early in the podcast, I did the episode Gifts Discovered in Grief about my brother Clay who passed away. I'm the oldest of four. Clay was 18 months younger. I have a sister Jules who is 10 years younger, a brother Justice who is 15 years younger. Um, but about five years ago, God in his sovereignty chose to take Clay home to heaven. And I share about that trial and lessons that God taught me that he also taught dad in that episode. Um, Then later um, in the year, last year in the podcast, I did an episode, All Things for Our Good, from Romans 8.28, where I share that it was about a year after Clay had died that my mom walked out on our family, leaving behind two young children, a husband who was just floundering in figuring things out. Um, Some of the emotions and difficulties that that caused in my heart especially being a new mom and having my mom leave and just so many different things in that, um, that we just, we lived this period of ashes, but God used all of that for his glory, um, and all for his glory. You know, nothing that we're going to share today is, is our wisdom or our help to get through trials, how, you know, none of it is our advice for how to make beauty from ashes in your life because, I, we, we don't have that to share. We can share our personal story and how God has helped us. Um, but we haven't been perfect. We have fallen and gotten up and fallen again. Um, but God has been so good to really bring beauty from something that was not beautiful at all. Very much. So we're just going to jump in and share a little bit. Kind of, I'm going to have Dad share a little bit of how his story starts where I join into that story, some of what my childhood and my teenage years looked like, and how we got to where we are now. So really, what is the goal of this episode? I think our goal for this episode is really to encourage people that are in a storm, that if you feel like you are drowning, that you are not going to live to see tomorrow. You know, I we've we've lived days where you almost forget to breathe. It's so difficult, the emotional strain, the physical strain, the spiritual strain of a circumstance, of a loss, of a sorrow. Um, if, if that is you, please listen. Um, we are speaking to those who have a relationship that is broken and you think there's just no way that this could turn around. There's no way that, that this could become beauty. Um, we're speaking to you. We're speaking to those people who are have a circumstance, maybe within your home, maybe it's husband and wife, maybe it's with your children, and you just feel like there's unless God steps in with a miracle, there's no way that anything good can come from this. These these are some of the people that we are hoping to speak to and encourage in this episode as we just try to glorify God and just really just give the reminder that he is faithful and he is a miracle worker because that's what he's done in our lives individually. And then that has spilled over into our relationship with one another and in, into every aspect of our life, really. I mean, we were just talking the other day on the phone. We are not the people that we were five years ago, 10 years ago, and all glory be to God. But that's come through, <laughs> that's come through dark 
deep waters. So we're going to share a little bit of that journey. And I'm just, I'm so thankful to have dad with me to get you or to let you guys actually get to hear him in person instead of just all his wisdom coming through me. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. Do you mind to share a little bit kind of about how your upbringing looked, how you got started, maybe your salvation testimony, and then about that time is kind of when I enter the scene. Yes. Well, again, I'm very honored that you had me on a podcast. Of course. God has done exceedingly and abundantly above with your life. Anything I could have ever imagined. But, Praise uh, the Lord. Yes, to Him be the glory. Um, yeah, let me just share briefly. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. Went to a Christian school, graduated. It was very, what I would consider legalistic. You know, it was kind of like obey the rules type thing. And I guess as a child, I I always thought I was saved based on that. Just the fact that I went to church, things like that. My parents, you know, sent me to a Christian school. But um, I guess in my teenage years, I just decided that I really didn't want anything to do with the Lord, so I joined the Navy, went overseas. You were one of those kids. You're like, yeah. I got to get out of the house. I yes. want no rules. Let's go join the military. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and have all kind of rules. But um, yeah, God in His grace, you know, just through some people that prayed for me while I was overseas, you know, God started really working in my heart. And... Circumstances. I came back to Florida, lived in Florida. You were born in 1991. Shh, 92, Dad. Oh, 92. <laughs> Making me older than what I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So. And then you got out of the Navy pretty soon after I was born, yes, moved back just, to Virginia, which yeah, is a couple months where later. you grew up, where my mom grew up. Yes. Um, so, where did that leave you spiritually? Really, at the time, I just again, I had I had just professed to know the Lord, but I really didn't know Him. And it was in October twenty third, nineteen ninety four. I was sitting in a revival meeting one Sunday morning, and the Holy Spirit just really convicted my heart that I did not have a personal relationship myself. And you know, I remember feeling all those things sitting there, thinking. What's people going to think of me, you know, and things like that. But I just, I got up, went forward, accepted the Lord. And, you know, I know from that time forward, that was genuinely when I had trusted Christ as my personal Savior. So I mentioned kind of the ages of us kids. You really had two different families. Yes. You had Clay and I, and then, you know, 10 years later and 15 years later came the second batch. Um, and, and, you know, it's so interesting. The dad that I have today is not the dad that I had way back when in the 90s, you know, yeah. the, my childhood. Um, and, and But then the dad that my sister and brother, Jules and Justice, have had was not that dad. You know, and it's amazing. I've talked on here with my Titus II mentor about that road of sanctification. And that road looks different for everybody the the speed of spiritual maturity is different for everybody. There's so many factors that weigh into that, whether that be, you know, how much light did you have when you started? Where were you when you started? You know, what, it's just so many different factors. And, you know, for you, it wasn't your first introduction to Christ. It wasn't your first introduction to church and what a Christian home should be. 
but it you have this whole legalism and rules and you you had to work through the difference of the Christianity that you had always known versus this Christianity of a real faith, a real relationship. And that was a process in your life. And, you know, as I'm, you know, okay, so I enter the scene, Clay enters the scene and, you know, I'm so thankful that you were such a good provider for our physical needs. You know, dad is a hard worker and that has passed down to me. And I'm thankful for that. You know, I'm hoping to pass that down to my kids, you know, see the need, take the lead. And, you know, all these things that when I was a kid looking back, I was like, oh, if he says that one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. You know, and here I am being a parent and just like my dad. And, you know, it's so interesting. There's a time in my life where I would have cringed at the thought of growing up to be just like my dad. Um, And here I am, you know, grown up and I'm just like my dad. And I'm so thankful when I recognize those times. And, you know, not every trait that I have, probably my family would be appreciative of. You don't have to constantly have the trash can empty and have, you know, all the towels straight on the corners. We are OCD. We are yeah. perfectionist and Sorry. that passed down strong. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's amazing to me as we talk about this beauty from ashes, we're going to share some of that process of how that change happened in my heart. But I am thankful now that I am, that I could say that in so many ways that I am like dad and God has done the sanctifying work in his life and in my life, and just through so many circumstances, so many circumstances that we would never in a million years have picked to insert into the pages of our story, God has used all for His honor and glory, and for His glory and for our good. Um, but okay, so let's go back to the timeline. You got saved, um, taking care of our physical needs. Okay, that's where we left off. So you were a great provider for the home. You know, we didn't we didn't have needs that went wanting. And we were taken care of, but you were not very present in the home. Emotionally and spiritually, there just really wasn't a connection. Now, God was working in your heart and growing you individually. Um, but as a child in the home, there, there just really was no relationship. Um, and as far as like you being a spiritual leader, my childhood years did not experience that. Um, as I started getting into middle school and high school, the church that we actually attended kind of gave you a little kick in the pants, I guess, that really kind of started that a little bit. Yeah. And, and it did. It's after I got saved, there was a period about 10 to 12 years where, yeah, I, I guess in my mind, I considered that I was a provider, that that well, was my job, it's, it's, you know. You know, we have to watch how we present a relationship with Christ because you could check off the box of yeah. eternal security. Yeah. But salvation is so much more than that. And we yeah. often check that box and leave people there. And I really think that's where you were at. Yeah. You know, it, you left you there. It didn't encourage you down this road of sanctification until this pastor. <laughs> yes, yes. And it it was I like my relationship with you and Clay in the early years, I, I just looked at my life like I'm taking care of you, your needs are met, that's good enough. I wasn't realizing, you know, there's an emotional need. There's a connection here. And that's where I, you know, I really neglected when you guys were younger. But yes, that pastor asked me to be 
a deacon, and that was a turning point in my life. That's where I started taking my Christianity more serious, mm-hmm. you know, and I know God started really working in my own heart and, and that life. that led to a lot of changes in our home life, yes. too, which yes. brought us from Virginia to Tennessee. Yes. Goodness. 2006. Over, yeah, yeah. A long time ago, I was going into the ninth grade, and, and God really started, you know, there's a passage that our pastor preaches about from Deuteronomy about as the eagle stirreth her nest. You know, the eaglets are all safe and warm and cozy and the mama eagle's taking care of them. And all of a sudden, one day she starts taking those sticks and turning them up. And the eagles are like, you know, the little eaglets are, wait, this is uncomfortable. Like, this is poking me. Why are you poking me? What is going on here? Where once was safe and secure and warm, all of a sudden is now a hostile environment. But the mama eagle knows that, hey, you can't sit in my nest forever. You got to get out and fly. And you need to be pushed in that direction. And that's what God really started doing for us in that move is putting some sticks up. Like, and, and I could not understand at yeah. the time because I was very much comfortable at the time. We had built a house. You know, I had a good job. I looked at my life like I'm going to retire here, stay here. And yeah, when God burdened my heart to move to Tennessee, I, I honestly could not explain it. You know, no one in my circle at the time understood it. It didn't make sense. So I, we just took a step of faith and said, we're going to follow God and yeah. do that. So. so we moved here when, I, like I said, I was going into the ninth grade. So we're entering into my teenage years. So God is working on dad's heart individually, but that had yet to solidify in some areas, and that had yet to cross over into our home. Um, you know, and like I said, while the physical needs were met, the emotional and the spiritual were lacking. And I think as my brother and I entered into those teen years, a very pivotal point in time where you need a parent that is investing in, you know, spirit, soul, and body that was neglected, um, you know, still hadn't reached a point where there was a lot of spiritual leadership coming from the father in the home. Um, so then, you know, my mom is usurping places that were not intended for the mom and the wife to have. So there's just this imbalance. And I keep referencing back to Titus, but it's just such a ever before me thing this year as we study through that. But, you know, God has an order to the home. God designed for the man to be the spiritual leader and and guide of the home. And when the man is not fulfilling that role, chaos ensues with the children, with the wife, with the marriage. And, you know, we didn't fully understand all of that. We didn't see that as a problem. You know, things started really coming to a head in my teenage years with all of us individually, I think, and with our family relationship as a whole, where we knew, okay, something is is very wrong. From the outside looking in, I don't know that anybody would have noticed that. We looked like your typical Christian family who was attending church and serving the Lord. And, you know, it's easy to pull in on Sunday and put on your happy face and all is good. Um, but, but we were drowning on the inside, each of us in our own individual ways. And, and I don't, 
at that time, there was not a lot of clarity as to what is the root of this problem. And, and I think there were many different roots. Um, but really for you, that manifested itself in home is not a happy place. So I'm just going to stay at work. You know, for my mom, um, you know, we'll fast forward a little bit. We came to realize that she has, you know, several different mental disorders and um, just decades of secrets and, and a lot of things that we were not aware of at this time. But it further gave her a platform to be manipulative and, you know, just some verbal and, and emotional mental abuse different things that were just going on that, again, we weren't even fully aware of. You know, in my brother Clay, it led to a lot of rebellion, a lot of wanting to test how far can I go with the world before, you know, the whip cracks and I'm sent off to boarding school or whatever. And in my life personally, you know, I look back, especially as we're talking here about my relationship with dad. And, you know, dad and I have talked about this. God has granted forgiveness. God has, again, redeemed beauty for ashes. Um, But there was this time of ashes that is a part of our story. And I think, you know, some of my struggles as a teenager, I look back and I wonder, had I had a, a male presence in my life that was the spiritual leader that um, that had this emotional and spiritual connection with me, maybe I wouldn't have, have struggled with some of these things. Like I really struggled with, um, with relationships with boys. I never dated anybody before Simeon. That was not by my choice. That was by my parents' force and God's protection over my life. I wanted a male presence in my life to love me. And so that led to so many emotional struggles um, that fed into my perfectionism. I shared a little bit of that. Thank you, Dad. (laughs) Um, But, and, you know, I think in all of these different areas, we, because our home life was spiraling out of control, we all tried to find areas of life that we could control. Yours was work. You know, you could control that work environment. Yeah. And it is to my, you know, I regret at that time, the neglect on my part for, you know, meeting the emotional needs. And I do know God was doing a work in my heart. I just, I could not figure out what was going on. Yeah. And I think when I started seeing things happening that I didn't understand, my way of responding to it was, is I just looked at it like I resorted to my work. You know, I just, I'll get away. You know, everything's good there. Well, and it's so and, much easier to ignore the monster in the closet. Yeah, you know, yeah, Because if yeah. you don't, and we got to a point where, you know, again, as you're walking this road of sanctification, God brought you to a point where you you manned up and yeah. you said, hey. I had to confront these I things. I am sorry for the past, but the future's changing. Yes. And I'm going to be the spiritual leader. And that led into another change in our home. But let me back up to to my area of control in my teenage years was my eating. I actually wound up having an an eating disorder. Some of my emotional turmoil and this desire for something that I could control led into probably three or four years struggling with anorexia. And, you know, it took me all the way to sitting in a doctor's office where she looked at me and said, you're starving to death. You have got to do something different or I'm putting you in the hospital. 
that to wake me up to realize, but, but God, in the midst of all this chaos and turmoil and Satan just seeking to destroy a family, God was in the midst of that, even when it felt like he wasn't. So that brings kind of up to the end of my college years. Um, so we then we kind of went through this weird transitional period. You kind of transferred with work for an, a year. You moved away. You came back to Tennessee. I'm married at this point. Um, but God really started stirring that nest again with, I really, I think the catalyst. And, you know, it's amazing to me as I look back over my life and our story and your story, how it's at the lowest points that God did some of his greatest redemptive work. And that really started when we lost Clay about five years ago with the death of Clay. Yeah. And, you know, I I had been praying for quite some time, you know, through the things we were dealing with and the misunderstandings, you know, for God to open a door, give clarity to what was going on. And, yeah, it was through the death of Clay, you know, that God really started. And to back up— there was a period where probably, I would say a year before Clay's death, Clay really started picking up on things mm-hmm. and making me aware of things that was going on in the home with his mom and so forth that, you know, I was just totally unaware of. And, you know, it was through that process I started checking into things and realizing things and, you know, God just revealing what was going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it took his death to really just open the door as far as your and I's relationship. Yes. Well, and you know, and it, it was just to look back and see, I'll never forget the day that you called me and told me that he had passed away. Cause I remember looking at my phone and be like, why is dad calling me? Dad didn't call me. I didn't call dad. I mean, we, it's not like we had this like hostile relationship. We just didn't really have one. You know, I mean, we were nice when we saw each other and you're my dad, but it's not, we didn't have a friendship. We didn't have anything deeper than just a, oh, hey, you're my dad. Yeah, I loved thing. you, but yeah, yeah it yeah. wasn't a friendship. Yeah. And so I remember getting that phone call and that phone call changed everything, you know, and, and it's amazing if, if you have experienced unity with other believers, whether it's family member or just family of God in your church family. God has created this unity amongst believers that we, uh, our spirits minister to one another. It's incredible. And it was really through losing clay that God started uniting our hearts on a spiritual level, which then turned into an emotional level. Um, And God started doing that with my younger siblings as well. We, you know, as we are all grieving, as we are literally coming to God, like, if you don't give us something we have nothing. As we had that heart, this unity starts forming. But it was really through that that we saw that my mom was drawing further and further away. She did not want that unity. She did not want that fellowship that was rooted in Christ, um, which led up to about a year after Clay's passing, her finally coming to the point where she just said, I'm done. I am removing myself from from the home, from the marriage, from the children. And, you know, that's a story in and of itself. That is something that is still ongoing. And, you know, my heart breaks 
for where my mom is at. We love her. We pray for her. And I am asking God to do a miracle on her behalf. Um, But, you know, people make their own decisions. And with choices come consequences. And I, I can't control the choices and I can't control the consequences of someone else. And let me say here, Brett, too, um, I know as as a dad in the death of Clay, there was a point in that process where I had to be very cautious. And what I mean by that is the people that was surrounding me at that moment, you know, could have either led me or in one Mm -hmm. or two directions. And I mean, it it is through things like that that we go through in our lives. You know, I don't know what people go through that listen to you, but I know God did a work in my heart through the people that was closest to me because as a parent, you are utterly devastated and you do question God. And it's, I didn't understand, you know, it's like I would have never dreamed you know, I would, I would bury a child. Well, I'm thinking, you know, I just have this mental picture of this, this road in my head as we're talking about this road of sanctification. And I feel like there are points in that road where you have to make, you are confronted with the choice Yes. where you abandon everything you've held to and you run backwards or Or, you choose God. I don't get it but I'm going to trust you. And and it's often at those points that if you choose forward, God will thrust you forward. Yes, he and, will. And that's that's what really, I feel, in your life started happening. And really my life too. Yeah. Through some of those trials. But, you know, losing Clay was hard. And, and I can't speak to it as a parent-child. I can't even imagine. But I know that as a sister— it was hard losing a brother, but you know, he, he is saved. So we know we'll see him again one day. You know, we, we don't mourn and weep as those who have no hope. We have hope of a, a very certain future. Um, but it was difficult. It, it was deep grief, deep sorrow. And I say was past tense. It's not over. God has given grace. There has been healing, but there, I mean, we talk about there are still some days where it hits you like a ton of bricks. Yes. You know, I still pick up my phone and think, oh, I'm going to send him this picture of the kids or whatever. And then I remember he's not here, but, but we were, it, I don't want to say it was easy, but we could justify that God knows what he's doing. God is sovereign and God in his wisdom chose to take Clay home. And Clay's not, I mean, he's, he's fine. He's great. You know? But it was a whole different level of hurt and and abandonment and shame and brokenness when someone that we loved made their own choice to walk out of our lives. Um, And that really, it was through that that I think our relationship bumped to the next level. Yeah. Because, I mean, we were kind of each other's person, you know, where... I mean, there would be days where you would call me and you would just be so crushed under the pressure of, of the emotions, of, of the spiritual battle, of the, just the physical logistics of now all of a sudden being a single dad, Yes, where you would just be like, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to see you tomorrow. There's no way I'm going to make it through the end of this day. And it was amazing to me that on those days, God just gave me strength to be like, no, you're going to make it. Yeah. But then the very next day I would call and be like, I, I didn't sleep. 
I can't eat. You know, I it's it's all press, pressing in. I can't do this. And you'd be like, no, you can't. But God used these different, different difficult circumstances. And if, if you don't mind me sharing this too with your listeners, yeah. Brett, it, it was back when we first moved to Temple. I'll never forget Pastor Sexton encouraging us to read the life story of George Mueller. Mm-hmm. And at the time... I remember reading that story, and I prayed for quite some time after that that my family would have that level of faith, you know, not ever dreaming that through the death of Clay, that was what we know now as that was the turning point in this family's lives of God starting this work of increasing our faith. And I can distinctly put my finger on that this day and say, I never dreamed when, you know, I read his, his story. Yeah. And if you don't know who George Mueller is, he ran an orphanage for children and he had the faith that he would sit. I mean, I don't even know how many kids were in the orphanage, but he would sit them down for breakfast with nothing to feed them. And he'd say, kids, we're going to pray and thank God for what he's going to feed us today with no food. Yeah. And they would pray and before they were done, they'd get a knock on the door. The milk cart yeah. broke a wheel. And, you know, yeah. oh, we don't want this milk to spoil. Here's the milk. Or bra- Anyway, if you don't know George Mueller's story, yes. read it. But, but that's I, I the wanted, faith. Yes, yes. I wanted that faith for my family. I just, God's ways aren't our ways. I just, I had no idea it would, this would be the turning point. Yeah. As, you know, and then through circumstances that we've went through and we'll share. I know I was sharing my testimony one time, and again, no, nothing of myself. This has all been God in my life. But one of the teenage girls came up to me and said, it it seems like you really know who the Lord is. How did that happen in your life? And it's just, it, it waves of emotion hit me as I thought through the answer to that. And I was like, honestly... It's been through the deepest, darkest trials of my life that I have come through with a resolve that I can say, hey, I know God is comfort because I literally had zero comfort outside of him and he proved himself. I know God brings peace because I've lived nothing but turmoil in in a season and I've experienced the peace that only he could bring. And, you know, I think you could say the same thing. Yeah is it is real because of the trials that we have walked through. But through all of that, God has had this, this redeeming work. And, and we're not perfect. You know, we try to obey the Lord. And when we disobey, we try to repent and confess and turn back. But we, we haven't done everything perfect. And I think, you know, I mean, both of us would sit here and say there's yes. so many things, yes. even looking back and things that we could have done differently, things that we should have done differently. But, you know, a just man falleth seven times, but what does he do? He rises back up. And and God blesses that. God knows that we're frail human beings. You know, it says in his word that he remembers that we're but dust. But his grace and his mercy extends to us. And and the the whole goal of this, whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever it is that you're going through, is that you continue to walk that road of sanctification, whether you think you can take the next step or not. Remember God is with you, filling you with strength, and continue to walk that path. Because as you walk that path, 
God does take the ashes, the the brokenness that come, whether that's from sin or just living in a sin-cursed world brings its ashes. But he really can bring beauty from that. And, you know, dad and I were talking as we were preparing. I don't think our ashes are over. You know, I, I think there there's more to come in the future as we just live life. But but our hope is that as we continue in the sanctification process, that God's person will be deeper and deeper and deeper concreted into our hearts that we can lean on the lessons that he's taught us in the past. Yes. And there is, there's so many moments in each one of our lives where, you know, something God taught me in these trials is, you know, don't, don't live too far down the road, you know, start. And like you, you mentioned earlier, I mean, there was moments in my life where I had to literally ask God to give me the next breath. You know, I didn't think I was even going to make it through that day. But what God taught me was, is keep trusting me, keep walking on, you know, I'm going to get you through this. And we all want to live on those mountaintops, but I know through my life, I have learned, you know, God has become real to me in those valleys. And that is the way God chooses to do his redemptive work in each one of our lives. And I, I, I can only thank him for that because, again, I, I would never have chosen the path that we've been on, the journey. But I do know that in asking him for that faith, that's the path he chose for this family. And looking back, you know, and where we're at now, the level of faith, our trust and love for the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing, you know, that He will meet our needs. He will get us through whatever and we're facing. I, I shared this on that episode, All Things for Our Good, but it is it is amazing that how God can work in spite of, yes. of us as human beings for His glory, but not just even for His glory. But for our good, and I'm just going to be honest, and you can echo this, it doesn't always feel like it's for our good. No. I mean, I think, and like I said, I mean, there are still days where we look back at, you know, the situation with my mom or or the loss of clay, and we're like, good? (laughs) You call that good? Or or we question why, you know, why God... I, I don't understand this at all. Yes, but the reality that no situation is beyond hope, that God, He can restore the years that the locusts have eaten and that He delights in bringing beauty from ashes and that in that transformation, you know, it's not just here, you know, I, I will give you a trade, beauty for ashes, but it's through the ashes that comes the beauty. And, you know, as we kind of wrap up here at the end, I want to share a little bit because we, we've shared some of the ashes. We've shared some of the hard stuff, but God has truly given beauty. And like I said, though, though we still are dealing with grief and though we know grief is going to be ahead of us, God has given such blessings yeah. in the midst that, that, you know, just as much as we would never have thought to put some of the hard stuff in, some of the good stuff that God has brought in, we would never have imagined that it could be as good as what he's done. And I think our relationship is a testament to yes, that. Yes, it is. You know, there there was a time where not only was it non-existent, but like I said, it just, 
you know, I, I didn't want to grow up and be like my dad, you know, or I, you know, I just, we weren't close. We weren't connected. And now to see where we are, I mean, we're best friends. You're a spiritual counselor in my life. You're a prayer warrior. My kids adore you. Like just this sweetness yeah. that we have. I even think, you know, you, you, none of us wanted a broken home. None of us wanted a broken home. Um, and I think all of us in our own way dealt with the shame that came from now having a broken home, you know, especially when it was something that, you know, I think whether, you know, obviously you as the husband tried everything you could think of to keep it from going that way. And then even us kids, you know, whether it's me as an adult, or I'm thinking down to my siblings who were children who were trying to, you know, do what we could to mend a broken situation. You know, people choose, people make their choices. And sometimes in life, you, you can't, can't fix things. And, but, you know, we just had to take the brokenness, take the emptiness and place it in God's hands. And, you know, okay, so you, you tried to save your marriage and, you know, the other, my mom just said that was not going to happen. So we had to let that go and we had to trust God with now this broken family. And, but even through those ashes, God has brought beauty. But I remember you calling me one day and just saying, I don't want to be lonely forever. I don't know what God has for the future, but I don't want it to be loneliness. Yeah. You know, and you still had young kids that that needed a mom, that needed a mother figure. And, and you didn't know what that looked like. You were just expressing a human emotion going through all of this turmoil. And then God was so sweet to bring Stesha into our home and family. And my dad's been married to Stesha now for three years, and she was such a godsend. And and I remember, um, you know, when it, and it, that's just a whole nother miraculous story of how God brought the two of them together. Really a broken story, joining a broken story, and together making a beautiful story. That is its own, that's its own amazing thing. Yeah. But, you know, I remember dad coming to me and being like, look, it, it's not, I'm not 20. It's not just me. And it, it's not even just her. We have a, a stepbrother who we adore. You know, he was like, God's got to give peace. God's got to give unity to all of us as a whole. And God so sweetly did that. And, you know, now my kids absolutely love their Gigi. We love our stepbrother, Conrad. And God has just brought such a beauty. Um, but But we all have... A past that has elements that are the farthest from beautiful. But I think it's really been through that that we've been able to have this unity, that we've been able to celebrate what God can do. Yes. And let me encourage, you know, I, I don't know what anyone is going through, but some definite things that God taught me through those circumstances was, is to just absolutely run to the Lord. I encourage anyone, whatever you're dealing with, go to the Psalms. I mean, the Psalms, you you know as well as I, they got me through so many days. I would have well, never... Well, what's our verse? Um, the reference is escaping my mind, but in the multitude of my yeah. thoughts within me, thy comforts, comforts delight, delight my yeah. soul. Yes, and that helped me. Second thing your friends. I mean, God 
seek out those people that are closest to the Lord that will help you stay on that right path. Because again, I have some dear friends that they kept me in in a good good place. Where you know, again, Satan comes to all of us in those moments, and he will, you know, God, God, look, he's against you. You know, if he was for you, this would have never happened. Yeah, like and Job. yes, and all of those feelings and emotions will totally overwhelm you if you do not have, you know, a relationship with the Lord. But again, through that, God taught me to get close to Him and stay in His Word. My Christian friends, church family, they they are they were my support system and still are. But um and yeah, you and I's relationship, I would have never, never dreamed, you know, I would be this close with you. But it, it, yeah, it's been a blessing. It has. It has. And I, I know you kind of just did this, but just to reemphasize, you know, I, again, I don't know who all's listening to this, um, but I am assuming based on the numbers that I see that there's somebody listening that is hurting, that is in the middle of a situation that they feel like is beyond all hope, that there is no way to repair, that there's no way that you can come back from whatever, whether it is a choice that you made, whether it's a choice that someone that you love has made. Um, so you, any final parting challenge or encouragement that you would give to, to that person that is at that spot that we have been at where, like you said, God, if you don't remind me how to breathe, I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. When, when you're at that such low point, you know, cause I've had some people tell me you're so bubbly and energetic and life just must have always been good. It, no, no, it has not. And honestly, I have a deep seated joy that has an unshakable foundation because I have lived days where I literally didn't think I would make it. But just as we wrap up, any final word to that person who's listening to this thinking, there's no way my ashes could be beautiful. Yeah. Let me just encourage you. It, I've walked that road and quite possibly could walk it again. And it's in that moment or moments where you have to, I mean, just utterly turn to God and beg him. I mean, so many times in my life, I did not even know what to say other than please God help me. That's I it felt like I was saying that a thousand times in a moment, but I didn't know what to say other than I am not gonna make it if you don't help me. So it's just please God help me. You know, and he proved he will get you through. He is going to help you. He's not against you. You know, he will bring beauty out of ashes. You know. I even know just recently we were talking with our kids about the story of Peter walking on the water. Yeah. And how Peter did a miraculous thing that by all human comprehension should never have been possible. But he was able to do it as long as his eyes were on Christ. But the moment his eyes left Christ and looked at the waves and the wind, he started sinking. Now Christ, because he is Christ, was there to grab him up and to save him and get him back on that boat. 
And, you know, I know I'm, I'm sitting here from a little bit of a hindsight perspective saying, trust the Lord, keep your eyes on Christ. And I know what it feels like to be in that moment and be like, you don't understand how diff you don't hear the wind. You don't see my waves. How can I do that? I don't know what that's going to look like for you. I know the struggle that that looked like for us, but he is our anchor and, and friend, you've just, you've got to keep your eyes focused on the Lord and, and trusting in his promises. And God does, we have to remember too, God does spiritual or supernatural work. You know, we tend, we look at the physical and that's not what God does. He does supernatural work. And it's in those moments where, yes, if we're looking at our circumstances or the here and now, God, I'm drowning. You know, Peter took his eyes off the Lord and yes, he then he was looking at here. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas the supernatural was you keep your eyes on the Lord, you're going to stay above water. Yeah. But um, yes, I would encourage anyone, I don't know what you're going through, but again, just remember God is for you. He will not forsake you. Well, I think bringing it back and ending it here with the Psalms, you know, I think about how David wrote that, you know, in, in the midst of his running and all of all of the stuff that he was dealing with, he said, I can lay down at night and sleep yes. because I'm resting in the God who never slumbers nor sleeps. You know, and and we've been in those seasons where sleep is the farthest thing from your mind yes. because you're so emotionally invested and involved. And here we are trying to figure out, you know, God does that supernatural, but we're here on earth. Like, okay, well, I don't know what you're doing supernaturally, but okay, you kind of do your thing and I'm going to keep solving issues yeah. down here, yeah, you know. that's a tendency. And, um, but just the reality that, God might not work things out like we think. And and I think we could testify to that in so many points in our story. The answer was not the answer that we prayed for, was not the answer that we labored for, was not the answer that we schemed or planned, but it was an answer. And the farther out we go, the more we can look back and say, God never slumbered. God never slept. He was working all of the time and oftentimes he was working in the midst of us trying to solve it in a way that was in contradiction to how he was you know it's just god god knows what he's doing and we've just sometimes we've just got to let go and trust and ask him for that rest that can only be found in him and he has worked it all for his glory he you has. know that that's the incredible thing on this end of it looking back is Yes, through us trying to work it out, we were making a mess, you know, (laughs) but yes, so. Well, you know, another verse in the Psalms here, and and I promise we will close out this episode, but Psalm 30, verse 5, it talks about at the end that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. You know, our pastor says, as long as there is life, there is hope. And just the reminder that whatever your circumstance, however hopeless it feels, as long as you're listening to this podcast, so you're still alive, you're still here, God still has a plan and there is hope. Now, he doesn't promise that there is no weeping. Weeping has its season, but joy comes in the morning and, and it's it's not a happiness. 
It's not a, you know, happy-go-lucky, la-la-la, everything is sunshine and roses. It is a deep contentedness, a, a, in spite of the circumstances, God gives joy in himself. I might not be joyful about whatever is grieving my heart. I may not be joyful about the things that so heavily weigh on me that they affect me physically, but I can find joy in the God who never changes. I can find joy in his promises who are sure. And so that's just, we just wanted to kind of share some of our story, give you a little bit clearer glimpse of our family, of us, of our relationship, because like I said, I mean, God God has brought so much beauty, and Dad is such a source of wisdom, and you will continue to hear that through this podcast. I actually have a whole episode planned from a lesson that Dad taught me, and the title of it is, Why Am I Such a Toddler? And <laughs> stay tuned. That one's coming, hopefully. Uh, hopefully in the near future. But um, we just, we really just wanted to allow God to use parts of our story that we regret and that we are not proud of, but to show the transformation that he can do in in a life, in a relationship, in a family, and to just encourage people who are in a rough place and to glorify the Lord for all he's done in our lives. Because like I said, it is all glory due to the Lord, all because of him, that that we're even still sitting here able to speak to you on this. But dad, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I love you, Brett. I love you too. And God is so good. Yeah. So good. All right. Well, I'm actually going to close out this episode. Do you mind to pray? Just really, if you could pray specifically for whoever is listening that is at that rough point. I think you might know how to pray for them. So if, if that's you, we're going to just pray for you now, and then we'll close out this episode. Yes. Lord, I do thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the redemptive work you did in each one of our hearts and lives, Lord, for how you've restored my family. You've brought beauty out of ashes. I do pray for that one out there that may be listening today, Lord, that is struggling I don't know what they're facing or dealing with, but I do know that there is a Heavenly Father that cares for each one of us. I pray that you would be with that one, minister to them. God, send the Christian friends to them that would be a help and a support. Thank you for this broadcast, for what you've done in Brittany's life through it. I pray that Each one of our lives would continue to give you all the honor and the glory for what you've done for us. And we'll just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.